Uh, I grew up singing. Some of you may know this about my family. They're very musical. Both parents teach music, um, or I should say taught. They're both retired now. My mother taught music at the elementary school level along with piano lessons for my entire childhood and growing up. My father at the collegiate choir level. Our house was always filled with music. Because of this, there are just some things I hear as songs first, before words, which I happen to think is totally normal until I say it to literally anyone who didn't grow up with a family like mine, and then I realize it's very specific to us. <laughs> Examples, if you hear John the baptizer say, prepare the way of the Lord, how many of you hear it sung from Godspell? See, oh, okay, more than just me, thank you. Oh, you made me feel so much less crazy, thank you. Um, Messiah, so much of scripture comes, uh, we hear in the Messiah, so I hear certain scripture verses, like surely he has borne our griefs, I hear that sung instead of spoken, right? The hallelujah chorus, you hear some of those lines in scripture and you hear the music in your head. I'm so appreciative of Julia and Alice over there nodding, thank you. And then there's this text in front of us today. I cannot hear John 1.14 without hearing it set to music. Specifically the song, The Glory of the Father by Eagle Hovland, which you'll hear, don't worry. It's very specific to me and my own upbringing. It is not God's spell. It's not the Messiah, literally one of the most famous choral works of all time. But for me, this song by Hovland was heard regularly and often enough that I do not hear John 1.14 spoken. When I hear it read, I hear it as music in my head. So let me set the scene for you. Midnight Mass at St. John's Abbey, at St. John's University. Monks with candles would process down and pause in the center of the room, and they would sing this song. Or Christmas at St. John's, Christmas concert every year at the beginning of December. Many colleges, universities have these. Opening song, always first song. Or even just last month at the American Choral Directors Association Legacy Concert, honoring my dad began with all of the choirs singing together, yes, you guessed it, this same song. It begins with the word became flesh and dwelled among us. That's John 1.14. Nick's going to play you the first nine seconds so you can hear, when I hear that, this is what I hear. That's what I hear. That is what I hear. The word became flesh and dwelled among us. You all hear it spoken. I hear that. Okay, just so you all know. I, I understand this is taking a big leap for some of you to follow me on this, so thank you for sticking with me. John's gospel reads like a song. So it makes a lot of sense that for me, this sounds like a song. It's flowery and poetic. John's gospel is full of images and word painting. And I could this morning spend a lot of time unpacking the theology and talking about what John meant about the word being God and being with God and being God, right? But instead, I want you to hear this specific part of John's gospel and ponder instead, how does it make you feel? That's the point of music or poetry. It helps us feel. Now for me, John 1.14, synonymous with that choral piece, 
with an opening of concerts. Literally every time I've heard it, it's the first song sung. So for me, this is a beginning song, and I love that it appears on today in today's gospel. We, as Pastor Chad said, are still officially in the season of Christmas, day nine of 12, if you're counting. But also, today is the first Sunday of the new year, and this is the beginning scripture. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, John starts. This is how he begins his whole gospel. So I have a part for Nick to play for you again. So, John 1, right there, here it's sung. I'm just bringing you guys into my head this morning, that's all. Um, that is what, how John begins his whole gospel. It is, again, flowery, poetic music. On Christmas, Christmas Eve in particular, we hear a lot about what it means that God is Emmanuel, God with us, right? We hear about God coming to us. We hear over and over on Christmas, we even heard it this morning in our confession and absolution, for you is born a savior. But today we hear the next part of the good news, which is about God choosing to stay. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Dwell. The text we heard this morning translated that word as lived, but the word here is not meno, which we often assume when we hear this text, that it, that word we've heard is remain, right? That God doesn't leave us alone, but sends someone to stay with us. We hear that about the Holy Spirit all the time. That word we hear so often in scripture is meno. But instead, this morning, the Greek word that is used is skanao, which literally means to set up a tent and stick around for a while. Reside, live, stay. God came into the world and set up residence here. Eugene Peterson, in his message paraphrase, set this verse as, God moved into the neighborhood. And I find this particularly powerful on this Sunday in the calendar year because, you know, we're starting to put things away. We're taking down decorations. How many of you already cleaned your Christmas decorations up? Anybody? Yes? Yep, oh, see, almost everybody in here, Julia's shaking her head, no, excellent. Um, we're starting to put things away, right? Taking down lights, wreaths, trees. I feel like those moments of holding my candle up while singing Silent Night are so long gone. It feels so far away. It really wasn't that far away. It's been just a little over a week since we did that. Families going back home, people are headed back to where they began. School starts this week. Things are wrapping up. The holiday season is over, but God stays. We heard 18 whole verses from John 1 today, but the whole, to me, of incarnation, that fancy church word for God being human, is contained in John 14. The word became flesh and dwelled with us. The word, and remember, Right at the beginning, John said, the word was with God and the word is God. So the word is God, became flesh, 
meaning God became human and, that word is important, God became human not for one night, God became human and dwelled, stayed, moved in, stuck around, and I think this is the perfect word for this day. As we enter a new year, we are reminded that God enters it with us. And I know that for some of you this morning, God has not felt present for kind of a while, maybe ever. For some of you, it feels like God left when we packed up the nativity set, God went with it. Or maybe God has never come to you in the first place. I get it, I have been there. This is when community matters, when our people matter. Because the people around us, or if that's you who is feeling God present today, you can point to the places you see God dwelling. You can point to those moments where you see God set up a tent and stuck around for a while. And honestly, it's not just the shiny, happy moments where you hold a candle up and sing. God is in hospital rooms and random phone calls. God is in a care package showing up on the exact day you need it. God is how we show up for each other, big or small. God is sticking around not to say, let me know if you need anything, but bundling up and shoveling for someone going through something hard or sending a DoorDash gift card or a simple text saying, I'm headed to the store. Can I pick something up for you while I'm out? God sticks around in community. Community like this one, where we donate over a thousand pounds of food and toys where we build relationships and stay even when things are hard, where we call people by their preferred pronouns and speak up when somebody says something racist. That's what community does. And God stays in it. And that's why our gospel today includes this little quick part of John the baptizer. He shows up again, he'll be here next week. But part of what the community does when God stays is play the role of John. This gospel cannot begin to talk about God coming and dwelling without bringing up John the baptizer because he could see what others could not. He says, I have come to testify to the light so that all may believe. And then Jesus shows up and John says, this is what I was talking about. This is who I was talking about. Look, God is here. And God is staying. God stays. I believe our role as a community of faith, on the days where we believe at our core, somewhere deep inside us with tangible, real faith that God is there, that God is dwelling with us, our role, I believe, is to say, this is God and God is here. And for those of us who feel like God has not been showing up and God hasn't stuck around for the hard parts of being a person, then today's gospel is also for you. It is the beautiful promise that God has come, yes, but hasn't left with the decorations. God did not come for one shiny, lovely night, but to stay. And when God stays, we receive, 
as our gospel said today, grace upon grace. Over and over again, when we experience God sticking around for the hard parts, this is what it means that God stays. Sticking around means it's not just the picture-perfect or carefully curated Christmas card, but what happens when we put away the lights and the decorations and blow out the candles and go back to a world that is scary and hard and full of awful things and, let's be honest, sometimes awful people. Sticking around means we have the experience over and over of not just God's presence, but how God shows up as grace in those moments. The care package, the phone call, the gift card. This is what happens when God stays. And we get to join God in all of it. There's a poem. I've maybe read it before. I, can't, I couldn't remember and I couldn't find it, so I'm going to assume no, but maybe you've heard it by author and civil rights leader Howard Thurman. He wrote a poem called The Work of Christmas, and it feels a lot to me like what happens when God stays. It feels a lot to me like our call on this first Sunday in the new year, this last Sunday of the Christmas season in the church, that God stays past the candles and decorations and into the real hard, brutal, and beautiful reality of being a person. He wrote, when the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flock, the work of Christmas begins. To find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among others, and to make music in the heart. Then the work of Christmas begins. This is our role here and now, on this day, in this year, in this time in history, now the work of Christmas begins. When God stays, we get to join God in what happens next. So to finish this morning, we're going to make some music in our heart. As expected, I know, we're going to play the whole song, not just a clip or two, the whole song that plays in my head when I hear this gospel. Now, I understand that not everybody feels this way, so even if choral music is not your jam, I still invite you to close your eyes. Nick is going to turn it all the way to 11. And you're, I invite you to hear the words sung, the promise contained within, and most importantly, how it makes you feel that God stays. The Word became flesh and lived among us. God became human, came to us, and stayed. Amen.
So God has come, we celebrate, joy to the world, the Lord has come, and God sticks around, God stays, and we join God in the work in the world. The work of Christmas begins, the season officially ends on Thursday, but for many of us, we've already moved on, but God moves on with us. So we take that good news with us as we go into the world, as we go in peace to love and serve the Lord.